I was 17, I think she f- caught me having sex, and that made me want to rip my face off. But she didn't, like, in the act. Hey, and welcome back to today's episode of Not Your China Doll, the podcast featuring 25-year-old Asian-American women who share their stories of growing up in 21st century America. Even though there's a connection between our race and our gender, our individual experiences are what make each episode so different. My name is Samantha Chan, and I'm your host. Have you ever had a friend who you just had an instant connection with? Someone who, even though you're an introvert, you have major extroverted tendencies when you're with them? To me, that friend is Rita. She is charming, wonderful, and just (laughs) makes me laugh. We recently met, but we hit it off right away. I knew some general things about Rita, but our instant connection allowed me to dig a little deeper into her life and discover some pretty amazing things about her. Rita is a nurse who currently lives in Virginia, where she grew up and attended college. She was born in the Philippines, but moved to America with her parents when she was about two years old. And even though she visits the Philippines and even speaks a little bit of Tagalog, she considers the states her home and English her heart language. She is also a proud mama to her rescued pit bull. I want you to know that what you will hear during the next half hour or so is only a part of Rita's story, but that it matters nonetheless. And... I don't believe it only matters for Asian American women, but for women of all colors and walks of life. Without giving too much away, I also want you to know that our conversation may contain some potentially distressing material for some listeners. Okay, so let's just get started. Um, Rita, so can you tell me a little bit more about what you're currently doing in life? Um, what am I doing? What am I doing? What are we doing? What are we doing in um, life? I graduated in s- from school a few months ago. Nursing school? Yes, nursing school. So I've moved back home to my parents' house with my boyfriend, a long-term boyfriend. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of moving backwards in life, but no. trying to keep the long-term vision there of saving money for mm-hmm. more adult stuff. Right. So I guess that's where I am right now. And so you said you just started this nursing job? Yes. And so what what kind of nursing specifically are you? Um, I'm in critical care nursing, so like the super sick, uh, specifically like cardiac patients. So. Mm-hmm. Um, like heart surgery, heart transplant type of deal. Oh, wow. So I had my first day yesterday. Oh, okay. it was Oh, really new? Yes. Like chaos. first day on the floor working with patients. Okay. My guy was pretty sick. It was just trying to keep him alive for 12 hours. I helped clean him up or, you know, help him eat and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And making sure that when his wife came back from, like, her break or lunch or whatever, that he'd still be there. So that was new for me because in the other floor I worked at, um, it was oncology. So a lot of them were sick and you would expect them to die eventually. Like, you knew that it was going to happen, whereas... On the new floor I'm at, um, pretty much if you make a mistake, that's it. Or if you catch something, like catch a mistake, then you could save the person. Right. So it was like 
I didn't pee for like 11 hours. Uh-huh. It was like that kind of day where it's just like boom, 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 next thing. Yeah. But I still have a bunch of other stuff I'm supposed to do that I didn't get to do. So I, they told me it's going to be like that every day. I'm like, okay. I'm going to keep telling myself that it's worth it. Yeah. Then, yeah. We'll see from there. I mean, the guy made it out okay, right? Yeah. I mean, he was alive when I left, so. So, so you, you're good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what made you get into nursing? People ask me that a lot. And even, like, when I was applying for nursing school, they asked me why. And honestly, I don't really know. I know that in the back of my head, um, it was always an option. Uh-huh. Um, the stereotype is Filipinos are nurses. They come to America to work as a nurse or a housekeeper. Those are like the two <laughs> big things. But I guess kind of if I could trace it back, I started volunteering at a women's shelter. Um, as like a, the person who picked up the phone and like, I need help. What do I, what can you do for me? And I would interact with the, they call them forensic nurse examiners. They're the ones who kind of do your rape kit exam. So we would talk to them, and that was kind of interesting to me. Like, oh, what do you do? Uh, You know, how do you get to do what you do? From there, I just started to do more research. And I was like, I'm just going to apply and see what happens. Yeah. And now I'm here, so, but I'm really glad I'm here. Yeah. So you said that it's traditional for Filipino um, people to either be nurses or house. Yeah, house more like the stereotype, uh-huh. I guess. When people, um, you know, they ask me, oh, what are you? I say, oh, I'm Filipino. Like, oh, that's, you know, guessed it. Like, you're a nurse yeah. and you're Filipino. So, um, yeah, even though I don't have anyone in my immediate family who's a nurse. Right. Actually, no one in my family is in medicine. So, uh-huh. I guess my family's the exclusion to the. Room. So, how about in your program? Like, did you were there a lot of Filipino girls Actually, or guys? No, all white, mostly white girls. There was one Filipino guy, mm-hmm. and that was it. And then there were a couple. Um, there were some black girls, but mostly they were all white. Yeah. What do your parents do then? Uh, my mom is a stay-at-home mom. She used to work for like an airline and. My dad was in the IT department, so now he's, like, a manager. Do you have any siblings? No. No. Okay. No. So you had a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. so she was only taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your life, like, day-to-day with, like, what did your mom do? Ooh, nag me. <laughs> <laughs> Yell at me, ground me. Um, like, in hindsight, you know, she was great. She took care of me, made sure I got to where I needed to be and prepared my food and, you know, all that good stuff. But in the moment, if I try to, like, reflect back on it, she was definitely, like, looking at my life with a magnifying glass and, like, Uh oh, you're not doing that right. You should do – you should fold your clothes this way instead of that way. So growing up was just kind of, like, me resisting. So are you close with your mom? Um, Now I am. Uh Uh-huh. At the – when I was growing up, like, still living at home mandatorily. Is that a word? I don't know. It should be. <laughs> it was... I was like, no, I'm not going to tell you anything. So I really didn't tell her anything, not more than I had to. Right. I guess. But now I'll talk to her more about stuff. Uh-huh. And it's less like, I'm telling you because you're making me tell you. 
versus oh, I'm telling you because I want you to know. So was she like into your life ev- like for everything like school? Yeah. Like relationships. Oh yeah. So oh, she yeah. she knew all about your your boy problems. Yeah, I didn't want to tell her, but she knew. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. You know they they would like oh one time they tried to take away my door to my room. Then she tried to kick me out, and she was like, I'll just pay for you to live in an apartment. And I was like, cool, but I also I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, if things weren't going the way she expected them, or like, you know, growing up in the Philippines is a lot different than growing up here. And um, my family and I were like first-generation Americans. Mm -hmm. And so things that I considered normal, teenagery stuff was like evil stuff for my mom she was like oh you you must be like sick in the head if you like are talking to me this way or whatever mm-hmm. so so what's the story behind her taking away your door um so I was grounded like almost every weekend after I turned <laughs> like 15 or so were you a rebel child I was a rebel child or so she thought maybe I was like you know I wasn't like in my bathroom smoking crack or something like <laughs> that kind of rebel child. But when um, I was seventeen, I think she f- caught me having sex, and that made me want to rip my face off. But she didn't like in the act. Like not like she knew like she could. I guess hear I was a rebel and I s- snuck in my boyfriend and. <laughs> and then I get in like the middle of the night and our house has like I guess horrible acoustics that you can hear even just like the opening of doors or like anything and um and then she was like she yelled at him and she was like I'm gonna call the police on you next time if you if I see you back here and then I you know was like mom I'm gonna keep talking to him whatever whatever and um she, yeah, she tried to take my door away, I guess, because I was talking back all the time and, like, sneaking around. She's like, well, if you don't have a door, then you can't... Can't sneak poison. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I guess that must have been... It was probably all related around that. I feel yeah. like that was the main impetus to all of the crazy things that she did after. So did she actually follow through and take away your door? No. Thankfully, I think my dad was like, that's a little bit crazy. Okay, that's a little bit uh, big brother weirdness. Let's not do that. Also, I don't think he wanted to take the door off. Like, that's a lot of work. (laughs) But I kept the door. I kept the door. And so you said that your boyfriend currently lives with you and your parents. Yes. Um, But also knowing about what your mom was potentially going to do to your door. Like, like, what is that transition like, or when did that become okay? So I don't know what, I don't know if my mom stroked out or, like, what, why. (laughs) She was like, yeah, that's fine, come come live here. Um, I I presented the idea, like, like last summer-ish, when I was thinking about, like, where am I going to apply for jobs? Um, cause initially my boyfriend really wanted to move to New York. Is he Asian? He's so, white. Okay. He's white. And so he came with me and I started toying around this idea like, oh, well, if we live with my parents, we'd be rent free. Like, you know, there's always food. 
other perks, no bills. And my mom was like, yeah, I know that you guys are an adult. You don't have to ask permission to go out. You can sleep in the same room, which is crazy to me because when we first started dating five years ago, I wanted him to come visit. And she was like, well, he's going to have to sleep in the basement. And I was like, what? Like, I'm 19. You can't do that to him, blah, blah, blah. And then this past summer, actually, she was like, yeah, you guys can sleep in the same room. And then she gave him the really uncomfortable talk, like, but you can't have sex. Don't have sex here. Because <laughs> I walked away. I, w- I went to use the bathroom, but I could still hear her. And he was like, okay, like, we won't. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Well, whatever. So I was like, okay, sorry for my mom, but she just had to get it out of her system. But now she's like, cool. It was uncomfortable because um, my boyfriend doesn't have a traditional job and he was trying to start his own business and so he'd be working from home, he'd be home a lot and my mom is home all the time, so just be them and he's awkward enough and my mom is like uncomfortable just in general <laughs> like in those situations. It's weird, I can't believe, when I have to tell people like, Oh, yeah, I, I live at home with my boyfriend and my Asian family. Like, how does that work out? Like, I don't know. Don't jinx it. Don't, like, talk about it too much. Yeah. It'll be okay. So is he pretty, like, adaptable to Asian culture? Yeah, I, I think um, he's gotten used to, like, how my parents are. They're very meticulous about it has to be done a certain way. It has to be cleaned a certain way. You need to give, like, 110% of whatever you're doing or more and so that's been yeah exactly it's never enough and he's still trying to get the hang of that and so there are some days where he's like okay uh like uh, you know my bad I didn't do it right I'll do it better next time and then there's other days where he's like this is ridiculous you know I already swiffered the floor you wanted me to do it again (laughs) and so it's it's an adjustment, and like we're not um, religious, but my parents make us pray before every meal, and my dad makes really long prayers before me. He's like thankful for everything, thankful for you know X, Y, and Z, and hope we have a good day tomorrow, and happy birthday to Jesus, and whatever. Like he'll make them as long as he can possibly make them, and so he, you know he's just trying to be respectful and like okay, okay, amen. I just want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Food's getting cold. Yeah, right? (laughs) The food is cold. I have to microwave it now. What's it like being a biracial couple? It's hard. I mean, he used to be like, what's white privilege is something you read about on Tumblr. That's not real. Racism isn't real. We're living in a post-racial America type of thing. Like He's not woke. Yes, he's not woke. Mm -hmm. But he's also just like resistant to like anything that sounds like, oh, social justice warrior type of whatever. So it took a really long time for him to realize, like, oh, white privilege is a thing. Even though I grew up poor, I still have white privilege. Mm. Um, That didn't happen, actually, until he went to grad school to become a teacher. I guess they had a class on that because a lot of people would end up working in, um, you know, impoverished, mostly black communities or mostly brown communities. So they taught a class on that, thankfully, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's real. Thank God. Yeah. Finally. At least you learned it somewhere. But that wasn't an issue when you guys were, like, first started dating, or...? No, I mean, I grew up in a mostly white community, anyway. Um, I never dated anyone who wasn't white. 
And I myself was like, oh, what's race? I'm not black, so everything else is just the same. Yeah. I knew that, like, you know, slavery, I knew that much, but everything else was, like, ignorant over my head. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, like, oh, it's all the same, except for when he it got a little more serious and he was going to visit me, and I was like, I have Asian parents, and he was like, what? does that mean like what do you mean I, I know you're Asian <laughs> yeah and I was like no they're like strict they're mm-hmm. you know they're this way I can't they can't talk about things the way you talk with things with your parents like just whatever you want comes out of your mouth that's fine with them you know or like you sleep in the same room or um anything like that so it was a lot of adjusting I think on his part like oh this is not okay. I have to, like, hide it, basically. So, are you close with his parents or anything like um, that? So, they're both... They're bipolar, both of them. And so, his mom will just talk a lot to me. Like, mm-hmm. talk at me, almost. And it's exhausting because it's kind of like, I can't say anything. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And so, she'll tell me, like, really deep personal stuff. And I'm like... Too much. There was a line. You're like... A hundred feet over that line, okay? <laughs> That's, like, way... No. And his dad, it will just, like, show sides of him. Like, that's a private family side, and I just met you, and you're already, like, mm. doing these things. Like, you know, like, cursing his mom out or throwing things or, like, no. I'm a guest. Show me your guest face. Don't show me these things yet. <laughs> And so I guess we're close in that, like, I've seen all of their craziness and, like, whatever. I don't treat them any different. I don't, like, love spending time with them. I know that they have called me really quiet and they don't, they think that I don't like them and that's why I'm so quiet. And I don't think they understand, like, I'm uncomfortable because this isn't my normal. Like, I can't talk with you the way that you want me to because I don't know what you I'm trying to have a normal conversation with you and we can't do it like they've never like oh how's school how's work like there's none of that it's just kind of like oh my god I think that um this person is a psychopath and let me tell you why I'm like oh nice to see you too (laughs) see ya or I try to talk more they're like oh you tried and I'm like why would you say that out loud like weird so what's your what were your parents react did they want you to date a filipino man no they were never like you can't date this or you can only date within your race or something um it's weird because his family isn't like our family so there's not a lot of understanding between like how you were raised and how they raised him and stuff is there a language barrier um no my parents speak in English. Okay. Now that my boyfriend is living at my parents' house, they talk a lot in Tagalog, which is frustrating for him because he always feels like left out or like they're talking about him. So I have to keep reminding them like, well, if you're going to say it in Tagalog, you have to say it in English because she keep, my mom keeps telling him like, you need to learn. I'm like, well, he can't learn if he doesn't know what you're saying. Yeah. And so in that way, there's, and he's not going to say like well I didn't understand that can you say that in English so I have to be like Translate you need to say him. that in English mm-hmm. so that he can understand you so it sounds like you grew up in a pretty stringent household like up until high school probably um, so 
Where did you go to college? I went to Virginia Tech. Okay. Um, and did you live on campus? Uh, yeah, for the first, like, two years. Okay. And so, what was freedom like? It was weird. It was definitely, like... Like, I rebelled and, like, did stuff in high school. Like, I would go to a party, but I never went to parties like kids are like, oh, I'm going to party this weekend and next weekend. You know, there were really, like, two, three. Yeah. One, two, ever. So I had the taste of that, and I didn't totally, like, lose it, although I kind of verged on that, you know, like, whoa, that's a little bit too much. The first, like, two weeks of college... You know, like, alcohol is flowing like water, um, and it's free, and you're like, I'm a girl, this is a state school, so it's, like, heavy on football, whatever, so they throw parties for the football games, and um, you just walk into a house, and I'm like, here's a cup, I'm like, okay, and so, obviously, I drank a lot, and I drank through a cold, and I was like, haha, alcohol kills germs, and um, I got bronchitis, and my parents were actually, like, out of the country. And for, they were, like, really nice. They, like, didn't question, like, why did you get this sick? They were like, oh, you had a bad cold. It's <laughs> terrible. And then they tried to make up for it by, like, getting me this, like, bed sheet spread that I wanted yeah. before college started. And they were like, well, yeah, I feel bad. Like, you have it. And I was like, thanks. It's my fault, but I'm not going to tell you that. You know the Virginia Tech shooting? Yes. Um, that happened when we were in high school, I think. So 2007. You, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that Virginia Tech usually has like the, like a memorial, like what, yeah, whatever day it day is. day of remembrance or yeah. some, something like that. Um, is that a big thing there? It is. Um, What's it like? It's mostly focused on, um, so there's like a, a run that you can do. It's like a 5K. It's a 3.2 mile run because mm-hmm. it was 32 victims. Oh. 33 including the shooter but um so there's that they have like I guess they have speakers they have like free food that kind of thing it always felt it wasn't about the shooting victims it was just kind of like about the school Mm -hmm. like increasing or strengthening school spirit or the family bond that they really push was there ever any talk about the fact that the shooter was Asian-American? Yeah. Um, not that, not so much that I noticed in the school. Like, people make jokes, like, oh, you know, next school shooter, whatever. Like, I'll hear that. About Asian-American people? Yeah. And I, I remember, like, right after the shooting, my family and I were at the mall, and some white kids came up to my mom and pushed her and they said why did you give birth to the Virginia Tech shooter and so she obviously like lost her mind she was like screaming at them and trying to chase them that they were like quick little things and they ran away even though he was Korean American you know know, we're all the same (laughs) it doesn't matter you're either you know Asian or you're like I don't know what you are you're you're too like dark or something but you're Chinese or you're something else. Yeah, you're Chinese or you're just or you're Indian. Any anyone brown is Indian. But um, <laughs> yeah, the like people would make jokes. I remember when I first came to tech, I'd hear it, but I like wouldn't recognize like how horrible that was. So I just be like, haha. Now I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, why would you tell me that? But yeah, it was very like let's not talk about the shooter. 
mm. anymore after a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. Get right into it. Because I think you, you probably know maybe what's coming up, right? Uh-huh. Um, but that you were sexually assaulted in college. Yes. Um, I don't want to know, like, how it happened, but when did that happen? That happened my sophomore year. Okay. Does the boy, like, know what he did was wrong? Okay. So, in the beginning, like, the immediate aftermath, he texted um, one of the people that I would end up living with that he felt really bad because I had a boyfriend at the time. He actually met him briefly. And so he texted him and was like, I feel really bad, et cetera, et cetera. Am I a bad person? Like, to this, to my friend. And so I feel like at the time he knew. And then when I brought, several years later, maybe not several, a few years later, I brought it up to the, I don't know what they call them, like the school, school board that handles those kinds of things. And... In his testimony, he said that he had no idea, um, you know, he thought everything was okay, he thought I was just being weird because I didn't like him as a person prior to the incident, and I was just embarrassed. So, I don't really know. I think that he knew that he did something. Mm-hmm. Was your boyfriend at the time your boyfriend now? No. Okay. So, did he know what happened? No, so I, this was like the really bad part was that that night, um, before it happened, you know, I was just texting him, I was like, oh, you're so great, um, miss you, wish you were here, because he went to a different school. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that's why he wasn't there. And, um, then that happened. Right. You know, so he just thought I was cheating or, you know, promiscuous or something, so he had no idea because just recently, actually, it had been weighing on my mind a lot because he had been cheated on before. Mm. And so I didn't want him to feel like I did it to hurt him or, you know, he was disposable. And so I actually let him know. I was like, hey, after, you know, a lot of thought and, you know, working through it and whatnot, um, you know, I was raped. And so he was like, oh, I would have never known. And so when you brought it to the school board about, you know, what happened, how did the school take it? So they were pretty helpful. Um, I, had a, um, I had a counselor, somebody, she was a social worker, and she talked me through it and, like, what would happen, like, you know, recourse, action, that I can take up with the school and what the potential outcomes would be. So I did that. I had a hearing and everything. So I gave testimony separate, like outside of the actual hearing. And then I could bring people as witnesses, I guess they called them. But I didn't go to the actual hearing because they said like, oh, you don't have to go. So I was like, okay, then I'm not going to go because it would be me and him and all of his friends that he chose to call on in the same room. And they're like, we can, you know, put you in a different room and just have a webcam or put a divider or something. So at first I was like, okay, I'll do that. That sounds accommodating. And then I guess it was just a few days before I was like, I can't do it. Like, I can't hear this person's voice 
telling lies, you know, to get him out of it. So they were like, okay, nothing bad will happen to you if you don't go. You can just not go. So I was like, okay, I don't want to go. And um, it ended. The outcome was disappointing. And when I tried to appeal the outcome, they told me that... So they they called it a, like, not, guil- not guilty kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Like, they... They, they try not to frame it as a trial, so they don't use words like that. They were just like, we're not going to take action against him. Because some of the things were, he can be suspended or expelled. Mm-hmm. And it was our, it was his last year of school. So um, he would have not been able to graduate. And they told me that they couldn't take any action. And part of the reason was because I didn't speak physically at this hearing. Even though they gave you the option to not. Yeah. Even though I gave, like, I provided all of my own testimony. I brought, uh, I had people, like, write down what they remember of of the incident and stuff. And so after that, I contacted the president of the school, and then they wouldn't let me talk to him. So then I got, like, one of his lackeys or something, and then they were basically like, I know it's really disappointing, but too bad. And so then I tried to contact, um, like, a Title IX lawyer association that would that does stuff like this, like, takes action against the school for, um, I guess, unjust outcomes. And she told me the same thing. She was like, well, can't really do anything if you didn't go to the hearing and didn't actually speak on your behalf. And so then I just kind of, like, gave up. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, whatever. So, do you feel some sort of injustice? Because I, it sounds like they they gave you misinformation in that they were like, you don't have to go and we'll still give you a fair chance. But they said that and then they kind of didn't. Yeah, I, basically because it was, it wasn't like a stranger jumping me in an alley and raping me type of situation, it's harder to say like what was and wasn't okay when it happened so you knew him yeah I he was like a roommate of somebody that I knew Mm -hmm. and so and I guess some of his friends testimony it was kind of like a character assassination in my opinion but they were yeah they were like because I got a transcript and I got to listen to the uh, hearing and so there was no one speaking on my behalf and it was just him and his uh, friends. And so it was just a lot of like, well, um, first of all, she was a slut. And then there was also the whole case of like, we had lots of mixed friends because he was just a roommate of somebody that I knew who was friends with a bigger group. You know, college friends get huge. And so I would still attend, like they'd have like, potlucks and stuff and I would go and he'd be there and then they'd be like oh well she you know she didn't say anything she wouldn't not go she um they would be like she was friendly and I was like no I wasn't but okay and you know a lot of that I guess working against my favor I wasn't there to be like no that's not true and there's no like after the fact like I can't listen to it and then be like well I object to these points Mm -hmm. so yeah, the school just kind of was like, oh, let's do that. Yeah. 
Like, because it wasn't violent. It wasn't like a non-personal relationship. You know, he didn't drug me physically, like put roofies in my drink or something. Right. They were like, oh, well, you were drunk. So it was kind of like, too bad. Yeah. And he said, well, I was really drunk too. But like, probably not. Yeah. Based on like what um, other friends told me about you know, what it was, what he was like after, so. This reminds me so much of that freaking Brock Turner kid who violently rapes a girl behind a dumpster and what? Because he's a competitive swimmer and has a lot of potential, he can get away with it? Like, I'm not even a victim of rape and I can't stand that kind of injustice that these women have to face for the sake of, oh, he wouldn't have graduated on time. It's infuriating to me, but I want to know, how does that make you feel? Like, it's kind of just like an exhausted feeling. You're like, you just want one person to win, right? One person to win who was like in your position, kind of like similar story, you know, she was intoxicated, um, and he got away with it, right? And, and you were hoping that something would have come out of it. But, like, so I think I, I ran out of anger, and I was just like, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I read her statement, and I couldn't finish it because it was, like, horrible. And that's when I was like, I'm tired. I, like, don't want to know too much more yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. So. So... Do your parents know? So I told my mom because I actually asked her for advice about, like, should I go to the school? I was, like, weighing. I I weighed the option for a couple months after I I talked. They have, like, a women's center on uh, our campus. So I went there, and I was like, well, I'd like help, like, mental assistance. Yes you know, like, dealing with it, and then, like, what can I do? And so they did both. And I went there, like, October, and then they presented me the option to go forward with a trial or a hearing or whatever, and I did that in, like, March. Mm -hmm. So shortly after I went there, I talked to my mom, and um, so she knows. She was, you know... She didn't blame me or anything, so that was nice. She wasn't like, well, you shouldn't have been doing this or that. But it was disappointing because then she told me, like, oh, yeah, that happened to me too. And I was like... In college? No, it was... I think she might have been college age, but she actually... A doctor while she was having a surgery. And she woke up, like, in the middle of it. But it was, like, a family friend, so she didn't do anything about it. So at the very end, um, like after the whole hearing ended and, you know, we got our verdict or whatever, you know, she was just kind of like, well, what you going to do about it? Like, that sucks, but you have to, like, move on. And so I was like, that sucks. Because I feel like that's the kind of mentality for a lot of, at least for Asian families, it seems, like the ones that I've talked to. They're kind of like, well, could have been worse. It could have been dead. Versus when I see, like, white um, 
um, responses to these kinds of things. They're just kind of like, we're going to fight really, really hard and, you know, get our big guns out and try to, you know, defeat, squash the whole thing and get our justice versus I feel like the more immigrant families or the, you know, the brown families, they're just kind of like, well, at least you did it, but... You tried, but... Yeah, but, like, you you just gotta... Oh, well. So did this happen to your mom in the Philippines, or...? Yeah, in the Philippines. Do they have a system there intact where they... Like, you know, for yours, it was, like, at the school, the university. Did she have something where she could, kind of? Um, I mean, the police, but I don't think... (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, I think the issue was it was her word against his. You know, she was under... Um, like sedation meds they could have said oh you just dreamt that or something so no she didn't do anything she never even told my dad actually and so and my dad doesn't know what happened because she was like if he knows he might do something Mm -hmm. she was like well we don't want him to do anything you know he's a gun fanatic (laughs) okay he really embraced the whole second amendment thing in the recent last like five ten years so she was like let's just not tell him because then she was like, he's going to try to find him, and it's going to be bad. And I was like, okay. But no, she didn't have any recourse, or she felt like, I mean, the police, but I guess it was kind of corrupt back then, or more corrupt than it is now. So I don't think she told anyone. I think she only told me because I told her. Right. But yeah, so. Sorry, I know that was no. traumatizing probably no, too. No, it's okay redo and everything um so thank you Rita for sharing your story with me and I can't speak for all my listeners or all Asian American women but I do understand Rita's ambivalent understanding to her mother's complicated feelings about her rape Even though I personally never experienced what Rita went through, I still understand that not every family is accustomed to having an open conversation about controversial topics. Even though she's Filipina and I'm Chinese, I get it. But there are still some things that I don't get, like why Rita still has to deal with the Filipina nurse stereotype when her personal experience doesn't match that assumption, or why she had to feel so much unease about her white boyfriend coming to visit her family that she felt the need to give him a disclaimer about her parents. I understand the discomfort of having to explain your Asian culture to your non-Asian friends, but what is it about non-white cultures that have to be explained when white culture is simply understood. My hope is that despite your race, gender, or sexuality, hopefully you found something thought-provoking in Rita's story. Or maybe you found your own story similar to hers. Many times we don't see our own lives as something interesting or worth telling someone about, but I believe otherwise. And so, if you liked this episode, please share this podcast with your friends. I think it's time that Asian American women got their chance to share their stories. My name is Samantha Chan, and thank you so much for listening to Not Your China Doll.